right, hello, welcome to Get Out episode number three. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about how to buy your first pair of resort skis or snowboard. And not just buying them and making sure they're correct, but also how to buy them as cheap as possible. If you don't follow me or the podcast Instagram, uh, you may have missed that I have done quite a few things like get my ski and snowboarding tech certifications as well as getting my Avalanche 1 certifications and learning about snow science. So I feel that this is finally something um, I am qualified to talk about on this podcast. Before we get into it, though, we have a few housekeeping items to take care of. And one of those is the Science Hippie Podcast is currently looking for sponsors. If you have a outdoor brand, sustainability brand, or something along those lines that promotes health, wellness, sustainability, and creating a better world for others, I am interested in working with you, and you're probably interested in working with me. The podcast does have international following now, and the audience ranges all over. So if you're interested in working with the Science Hippie podcast, you can send an email to thesciencehippie at gmail.com. Now let's get into how to buy your first pair of skis or snowboard or both. First thing to consider is what type of terrain you like to ride. Do you like to ride in areas that have powder and trying to find those powder pockets and weaving in and out of trees or hitting adventure alleys? Or do you like to stick to groomers? Or do you like to hit the terrain park and be a park rat? Or do you like to do all of it or want to do all of it? This is all stuff you need to consider when buying your first pair of skis or your first snowboard. Next, you need to know how to size yourself correctly. This sizing of snowboards and skis is kind of dependent on your level of skiing and snowboarding as well. And it's pretty uniform for both skiing and snowboarding on how you size. So if you're a beginner, meaning you typically stick to green runs and maybe dabble on blues here and there, you'll want to stick to a ski or board that falls between your shoulder height to chin height. The shorter the skis and board, the easier it is to maneuver and control when you're learning. But when you get more advanced, the less control you have at higher speeds with a shorter ski or board. If you're an intermediate rider, meaning you mostly ride blues pretty confidently and maybe dabble on some single blacks, you'll want to get something that's at least chin height, but typically you don't want it to go higher than your nose. Uh, The sizing is more so intended for people who don't really stop or turn making the pizza shape. And if you don't know what the pizza shape is, that's something for another time. Uh, But if you know what I'm talking about and you know the difference between pizza stops and french fry stops or hockey stops, uh, then that's that's kind of a clue in to is if you are an intermediate writer or not. 
Now, if you're an advanced writer, you're probably not listening to this podcast because you probably have already bought your skis that you're riding on. But if you are an advanced rider, meaning you ride blacks or double blacks more often than not, and you definitely don't ever use pizza or, or anything like that to stop and turn, you want to get the size that you most feel comfortable riding on, which if you're skiing at this level, you already kind of know what height of ski you like, what type of rocker you want or camber you want, if you want twin tips or flat tails or if you want a freestyle board, you already kind of know what you want. But as far as sizing when you're an advanced rider, that's just a personal preference at that point. Now let's talk camber, rocker, and flat. What the heck are those and what do they mean and why does it matter? So let's explain rocker first. Rocker is the easiest to explain, but all of these terms are used to describe the shape of the ski or snowboard. Rocker is also called reverse camber, and it is essentially where your ski or snowboard is shaped similarly to the foot of a rocking chair, meaning it dips down in the middle. Camber is the opposite of that. In the middle of your ski or snowboard, when you have them set flat on the ground, they curve up in the middle and the tips can still curve in a similar fashion as traditional rocker skis but or snowboards but uh, in the middle of the ski or snowboard it will curve upwards and then flat is exactly as it sounds it is where the ski or snowboard lies flat on the ground there's no curve either direction on it and it is more common with snowboards Camber is better for icy or groomed conditions or if you like to ride in terrain parks and is super helpful in conditions similar to the northeast. Rocker, aka reverse camber, is better for powder conditions and tree skiing and when you're skiing in more variable snow conditions. It allows for more control. Flat is again more common with snowboards. And they're just a solid choice if you like to do a little bit of everything. For more video explanations on choosing these and understanding these types of shaping on skis and snowboards, I have a link to Evo's website uh, on the sciencehippie.com on the how to buy your resort skis and snowboard blog post. So there's a link to a video that explains that a little bit more in depth if you need it. This next tip is specific to skiers, so if you're a snowboarder, you can fast forward to the next tip because that tip is specific to you guys. So twin tips versus flat tails and what to know about ski dimensions. There are other shapes of skis than these two, but these two shapes are the most common shapes you see people riding on inbounds at resorts. So twin tips are what I most commonly ride on and I'm definitely biased towards. I love my twin tips, but basically it means the tip of your ski matches the shape as the tail of your ski and they are really great for all mountain types and variable snow conditions. Flat tails are super great if you like to just stick to groomer runs, maybe you like to hit the slalom course, all of that, and you like to just ride fast and hard straight down groomers. Like Those are great too. 
if you want to do more all mountain stuff however i recommend twin tips and also if you're a park rat twin tips are typically the type of ski you're seeing in the park because it makes it super easy to ride backwards and do buttering and all of that fun stuff so for twin tips are also great for powder but another thing that plays into if a ski is good for powder or icy stuff is the width of the ski underfoot which is part of the dimensions of your ski how wide your skis are under your foot is going to determine how easy it is for you to ride on skis or, or on powder or ice so the wider the ski under your foot the better for powder conditions it'll be i ride on what i think is actually the widest you can buy a ski which is 120 underfoot and i love them however as i've learned this season riding around in utah with very low snowpack and a lot of icy conditions it is so hard to grab my edges on a wide ski on groomers and icy conditions so that's where a more narrower ski comes into play and this is also something you can get with flat tails too and narrower skis under your foot are going to be so much easier to grab edges on groomers or icy conditions so that's something else you want to keep in mind when buying them is how wide your skis are underneath and this is honestly something i wish i would have known when I bought my skis, but I honestly just walked into a shop and blindly trusted someone in Colorado to fit what I was describing to a ski. I basically told them what type of conditions I like to ride in, and they grabbed me a ski and brought it my way. But I'm grateful that the person happened to actually know what they were talking about with skis, because sometimes people who work in ski shops aren't very familiar with skis as they are snowboards and can get you put in a wrong spot. But this person in Colorado definitely knew what they were talking about and got me fitted on the perfect ski that I am still riding on six years later. And I love my twin tip fatty ski armadas. Ugh, they're my queens. I love them. But again, I'm biased towards twin tips and I grew up in an area where I was mainly skiing on powder up until I came to Utah, but it's okay because I've been finding powder just fine now. And this next one is for snowboarders. So if you're a skier, you can fast forward to the next part uh, unless you want to also buy a snowboard. So snowboard types, you have all mountain and it is just for that as described. It is for all mountain conditions and I highly recommend this type for your first setup. The next type you have is freestyle. Are you a park rat? Because if so, this is the type of board that you want. Free ride, that's the next type. This is more so if you like to hit the powder and be in the trees and avoid groomers as much as possible. This is also a decent board for the backcountry. There are also powder boards and split boards, but again, those are more so for backcountry terrain and not really resorts. Uh, it's similar to with skis where it's hard to grab edges uh, when you're riding on groomers or icy conditions. 
or, you know, powder boards, really good for variable snow conditions. Uh, but that's something you more so see in the backcountry is a drastic change in snow conditions and not so much in the resort. But the three main ones to look at for resort riding is all mountain, freestyle, and free riding. This next part is talking bindings and boots. So let's start with snowboarders. Since you're already listening skiers, you can once again fast forward a little bit. Uh, but I'll get to you guys in a second. So for snowboarders, you guys have it so much easier in buying boots. Your boots are so much more comfortable than ski boots. And they should also fit tight like ski boots. But you guys have much more ankle flexing that you can do. Uh, but while you're trying on boots, smack your heel on the ground to make sure your foot is properly in your boot and that your toes are still tight. Uh, once you do a couple smacks on the ground, sometimes boots, you'll be able to tell, loosen up in the toes. Uh, there's also uh, really typically one type of boot you can buy and you can choose between if you want the type that twist to tighten or traditional lace up boots but there's a new type of boot that's come out with that is specific for step in bindings but other than that snowboarding boots are pretty standard across the board it's just up to you on what's most comfortable and what matches your gear if that matters to you so snowboarding bindings if you are a snowboarder and this is your first setup you should probably just get some all mountain bindings there's other types of bindings too i've linked more information in the blog post that goes in conjunction with this episode but if you have a specific niche you already like to ride on snowboards that's where you want to dip into looking into other bindings but all mountain bindings are good for exactly what they describe however you guys have some cool options for how to clip your bindings so there's three different options. There's the strap-on bindings, which are pretty typical snowboarding bindings, most common that you see at rental shops. Then you have the rear entry bindings. And for some reason, these two bindings sound super sexual, but the rear entry bindings are exactly like that. You can just put down the high back, step in, slide up the high back, and then you have one strap over your toe. The step-ins are pretty new, and as far as I'm aware, they're only sold by Burton, but it's most similar to a ski binding where you can just step into your binding and go, and they're the most convenient in my opinion. I unfortunately can't afford the step-in bindings or the, the boots that go with them, but if I when when I buy my next snowboarding setup, I'll probably get some step-in bindings. They are pretty cool and pretty dang convenient. Uh, you do still need to have a leash for your snowboard. Leashes are super important and required at most resorts. Uh, if you go into any gear shop, they'll be able to hook you up with a leash. But that's basically in case your snowboard binding fails on you for some reason so your board doesn't go rogue and disappear down the mountain forever. All right, skiers, this is boots and bindings for you. And the keyword that you're looking for when buying boots and bindings is the word downhill. You want downhill bindings and downhill boots, not touring. 
Touring setups are mainly for backcountry, and I do not recommend going into the backcountry, especially this year if you don't have any sort of avalanche safety knowledge or training. But when you go to get your skis mounted with your bindings, they'll be able to set your bindings to your boot size. And they'll take care of that. They'll take care of your dims when you get that mounted. You just need to know what type of skier you are, what level you are, if you're type 1, type 2, type 3. And they'll take care of you the rest of the way with that. But to fit your boots, you want your boots to be tight. And we all know ski boots aren't comfortable. But if you have any sort of cramping in your arch, that means your boots are too big and your feet are working harder than necessary to control your ski. But if you are having cramping in like your toes or the side of your foot, maybe the heels... That means your boot is too narrow. It's kind of hard to buy a boot that's actually too small, but if it's too small, um, you'll have bruising in your toes. You do want the boots to be tight and flush to your feet, but you do not want it to be injuring you in any way, shape, or form. That's not necessary. Ski technology has greatly advanced. There shouldn't be really any sort of bruising. Obviously, if you're you're a racer or some sort of skier that in the professional level, you know that there's still some bruising that might happening happen in some way, shape, or form with wearing your boots in the type of activity you're doing. But for someone who is just buying their first ski setup, there's no point in your boots being so tight that they're bruising your toes. You want them to just be as comfortable as possible. And to make sure that you're fitting your boot right when you're trying on boots, smack your heel against the ground to make sure your heel is flush against the back of the boot. Stand up in them. If you have a ton of room in your toes, you don't want that. Go down a half size. Um, But if it's too narrow, try on a different brand. Every brand has a different kind of shape and width of the boot. So you want to try on multiple different types of brands because they might fit you differently. And why I say it's kind of hard to buy a boot that's too small and like would push up against your toes so badly that they would bruise or something like that is because that would typically mean you wouldn't be able to even buckle that ski boot because it wouldn't be able to fit over your calves. Typically your foot length length associates with your calf length and they go kind of hand in hand. But yeah, also females, don't be afraid to try on men's boots. I have fitted men's boots to plenty of women. Don't fall into the gender roles. Men's boots sometimes fit women far better than female boots. So just keep that in mind. Don't be limited by gender norms or gender roles. So... Keep that in mind when looking for boots, but that's what you're typically looking for. And last but not least, how to buy as cheap as possible. So if you want to buy your gear new, I highly recommend buying gear out of season. So buy gear in the spring and early summer and spend the rest of this winter renting demo boards and skis so you know what type of stuff you like, the sizes you like, if you like the rocker, if you like the camber, what shapes you want. And then when the season ends, you know, buy the last season or even a few seasons past models and you can find past models of skis and boots and boards 
for as cheap as $200 sometimes, um, and they would be brand new. Another option is to check out consignment outdoor gear shops. You can typically buy past season brand new skis at these shops or bindings at these shops, or you can buy used gear here at these places where a professional has looked over the gear to make sure it's still functional and quality to be using still on the slopes. So that's always an option is to check consignment outdoor gear shops or there's an awesome e-commerce outdoor gear shop like Rerouted or Isella. They sell used gear and they have people looking over the gear uh, before they sell it to make sure it is what the people who are getting rid of it claim it is and that it's still functional gear quality gear, all that. So to know you're buying the right sizes on websites like this, though, is to find, if you find a boot on these websites or a board on these websites, uh, go to an actual shop and try on a similar style, but of the same brand and the same size that you've found online and make sure it fits right. And same thing with boards. If you see a board that's a certain height, you're not entirely sure how that height lines up to you, go into a shop, find a board with the same height, then you can physically see, and then you know if that piece of gear that you're finding online is going to be good for you and a good fit for you. So that's kind of how I've bought some gear for super cheap. I bought my skis for $600, and they were originally $1,300 by buying them out of season. So I bought them in the early summer and they were two seasons old, but they were brand spanking new. They were just the old model. And my snowboard, I bought at a thrift shop for $25. It already had bindings on it. And then my boots, my snowboarding boots, I got for $15 from the same thrift shop. And I don't recommend buying from thrift shops if you don't know what to look for in quality gear um, as far as like if it has gashes in it or if the edges are fine and all of that. Um, you should definitely at least kind of know what you're looking for in the quality of a board or ski if you're going to buy from thrift shops. I can do a further more in-depth episode on that at a later time, but to play it safe, stick to gear consignment shops or buying stuff out of season. Now, there's probably a lot of info I missed or maybe things I didn't describe in the best ways. So if you have any clarifying questions or anything, feel free to email or message me on Instagram at the Science Hippie Podcast, or again, the email, thescienceHippie at gmail.com. And I will do my best to keep answering these questions for you. So I hope this was helpful in what to look for and helped ease some overwhelming feelings that you might get when trying to buy and make an investment into a sport as expensive as skiing and snowboarding. And yeah, I hope this helps you get out on the mountains and really enjoy winter a lot more because honestly, winter is such a beautiful season 
and your body will adapt to the cold and you'll learn to really love the views you see along the way, which can just overall help your well-being and mental health and all of that by really just learning how to enjoy the environments around you. So again, I hope this helped you and feel free to reach out with any further questions, follow-up questions, anything like that. And yeah, if you want to stay updated on what's going on on the podcast, follow us on Instagram, the Science Hippie Podcast, or you can follow me if you kind of like uh, the more rough and dirtbag side of me on Instagram at dirtbagxdelaney. It's all one word. Um, but yeah, uh, if you want more information or more tips on getting outdoors, go to thesciencehippie.com. And there is, again, a blog post that goes along with this episode that has a little bit more info and links to things to help you out with buying gear and links to videos that explain things a little bit better. So that can be found on thesciencehippie.com. And I will talk to you guys soon. And I hope you're having a great and safe winter.